As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and on this Big Thing episode, we're talking about the Bundesliga in general and Bayern Munich in particular. The Bundesliga is one of the best leagues in the world, with top talent partnering the next generation in front of thousands and thousands of passionate fans. And then at the end of the day, Bayern Munich wins. And that's what we're here to talk about. Bayern Munich has won the Bundesliga title 10 straight times for a record 32 total league titles. Only twice in the last decade has a team finished within 10 points of Bayern Munich. Dortmund were eight behind them last season, only two behind them in 2019. Not exactly closing the gap there. The rest of the time, Bayern players tend to celebrate the league titles in March or April even when the league doesn't wrap up in May, um, or until May, excuse me. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? How have we gotten to this point? How might the Bundesliga change its own rules to make things more competitive? We've got a lot to discuss, so let's get into it. Joining me on this episode are Graham Ruthven. Hi, Graham. Hello, Taylor Rockwell. And Joe Lowry. Hi, Joe. Hello, Taylor. Hello, gentlemen. Bayern, as I said, has won the last 10 titles. They tend to secure their title earlier than should be possible. Uh, Graham, is it maybe the case that they just need to restart career mode and play on a higher difficulty level? <laughs> Perhaps. I also read an article just this week on The Athletic by Michael Cox, who suggested that Bayern Munich should start games 1-0 down, which was a, a novel suggestion. <laughs> All right. The most depressing thing from a, a Bundesliga point of view was he actually went through the last 10 seasons, and I think only twice were Bundesliga, uh, sorry, were Bayern Munich not the champions in that, in that season. So even if they're starting games 1-0 down, they they're still so dominant that they're most likely still to win the title. Joe, let's stick with that Bayern dominance for a moment. As I said, 32 titles, slightly more than their next closest competitor. Yeah. With a total of 10 titles, which team is second in terms of German league titles? One, here's a hint. They won them all in a league that does not exist anymore. Yeah, so I didn't even look past the Bundesliga era here. Is it mm-hmm. is it Hamburg? Is it is it Wolfsburg? You got to give me some help here, Taylor. They don't really exist anymore. It's Dynamo Berlin, the team uh, of the Stasi. Uh. Yeah, which maybe is uh, is connected. They won, I believe, ten straight titles uh, with that connection in place. But after the fall of the Berlin Wall, when there was reunification, less success for Dynamo Berlin, much more success for Bayern Munich. Uh, Joe, can you run us? through some of the numbers or more of the numbers than we've already gotten into to kind of really lay out just how dominant Bayern Munich have been and are presently. Yeah, absolutely. I think that stat about them finishing you know, so high up in the table with such a massive gap between first and second. You mentioned it in the intro, Taylor, but Bayern having finished at least 10 points clear in eight of their last 10 title winning campaigns is genuinely wild. So there was eight point gap in 21-22. So that's last season as we're recording now in 2022. 13 the year before, 13 the year before that, then two, so that's a close one, then 21, 15, 10, 10, 19, and 25. 
That is an incredibly lopsided number, and it's it, it's ridiculous. So you have those elements. Then you go back and think about the total title discrepancy. Taylor, you've already kind of dove, dove into that as well. And then I read that same Michael Cox article about you know what if, and it's it's kind of a silly thought experiment, right? Because that is one thing. I'm guessing we'll propose a few different potential solutions to this, along with talking about whether it's an issue at all. But the fact that Byron still would win titles while starting games one nil down really tells you how incredibly good this team has been relative to the other teams in the Bundesliga. You also have some dominance, even setting some of those cold numbers aside, you also have some dominance in terms of transfers. And this is one thing that I, I do think is starting to change. And it's also not the only thing that defines Bayern Munich's transfer strategy, but they put themselves on top of the Bundesliga, both in terms of results and in terms of transfers over the last decade or, or maybe even more now. So you have RB Leipzig finishing second in the Bundesliga in 2020-2021. That's a couple seasons ago. Bayern Munich finished first that year, of course. We know this. Bayern go out and hire Leipzig manager Julian Nagelsmann, their captain, Marcel Sabitzer, and their best center back, Dio Upamecano. Then before that, you have them going through and pillaging Dortmund to an extent. And you have Lewandowski coming from Dortmund along with Mats Hummels and Mario Kotze. You also have Nicolas Sula coming from Hoffenheim. You have Leon Goretzka coming from Schalke. Those are only a few of the more recent examples. There's plenty of other really smart business in there, too. But you can see these moves paying off in their results. I, I read through and I read lots of different stories on this topic. And you have different Bundesliga figures talking about how you know Bayern Munich is coming through and signing these players, yes. But then also, all of the teams underneath them end up being competitive with each other rather than Bayern. And I, I even think, Taylor, this is something that you and Manuel Veth talked about on a, on a recent episode. You know, you have Leipzig and Dortmund and Leverkusen taking points off of each other, and no one can seem to really mount that challenge against Bayern, partially because they don't have their best players anymore, and partially just because Bayern is that dominant right now. Yeah, and I think that is a huge part of this, is that Bayern Munich, with their reputation, with the size of the club, the money behind it, they're able to get those players, which does sort of take out the competition in a number of different ways. Graham, uh, to your mind, has it always been this way? I want to start more recently and then keep going back, because I remember, I think I was in college when Bayern were struggling, uh, but that's when they bring in Robin and Ribery, and then suddenly they're back to their kind of best, mm-hmm. as we would expect. But there was that time where there was that fallow period for them. How consistent has it been in the Bundesliga that Bayern do have this level of dominance? So so Bayern Munich have been one of Germany's dominant teams for, for decades, but that, that's the key bit, that, that term that I just said there, one of. So so yes, Bayern Munich were highly successful in the 70s and the 80s, and they won three successive league titles between 71 and 74. They won three in a row again between 85 and 87. But in between those runs, you had runs by other teams. Uh, Gladbach, for example, won five Bundesliga titles in eight seasons in the 70s. Hamburg won three titles in five seasons in the late 70s and into into the 80s. They won a European Cup as well. And if you look at the 90s, five different uh, teams won the Bundesliga in that decade alone. So you had Bayern Munich, uh, Borussia Dortmund, Stuttgart, Werder Bremen and Kaiserslautern. And even as recently as the 2000s, you had Dortmund, Stuttgart, Wolfsburg and Werder Bremen all winning the title as well. And you go back to 2012, which is when Dortmund won the the, the Bundesliga title under Jurgen Klopp. They are the last team not called Bayern Munich to win the German title. And as I say, Jurgen Klopp is their manager and he still wore glasses and had wonky teeth. And that feels like a lifetime ago in football terms. So if you go back through the decades, yes, the Bundesliga has certainly been um, more competitive than it is now. And, and not only was it competitive in the past, when you compare it to the other big European leagues, so I'm, I'm thinking of um, the the dominance in the Premier League of Manchester United in, in the, the 90s and the 2000s. And even when Arsenal joined, you only really have two teams going for that title at that period. You have Juventus and, and AC Milan for a period. You have Real Madrid and Barcelona. And actually just Real Madrid for, for a period because Barcelona were pretty poor in the early 2000s. So when you compare it to the other big five leagues, you could argue that the Bundesliga for a period was the most competitive of all of them. And obviously things have, uh, that that (laughs) landscape has shifted pretty dramatically since then. But we are sort of in rare air and unprecedented territory because looking back at, at least since the Bundesliga started, I think the most comparable stretch would be five titles in six seasons from 1984 to 1990, but there's still a club jumping in there that breaks that up. And as you said, Graham, there are historically clubs that do have their own little runs, if it's Gladbach winning three or four in six seasons, but then Bayern 
kind of reemerge for a few, then somebody else steps up, and that seems to be the nature of the beast. I would like to talk in a little bit about maybe why it's the case that we haven't seen as many challengers more recently to disrupt that cycle. But I think it's also worth like drilling down a few other points. Manuel Vaith, uh, the aforementioned, uh, and I did a Soccer 101 episode a while ago about what it is that makes Bayern so successful so consistently. And one of the things that I did not realize until researching that episode is is how basically unsuccessful they had been until the start of the Bundesliga. If you look at their total titles, as we said, it's 32, 31 of those coming in the Bundesliga, only one of them prior to the creation of the Bundesliga. So they did not have a ton of success for the large uh, part of the beginning of their history as a club. It's once the Bundesliga gets going, it's once professionalism comes in, once there's more commercial side of the game, that's when Bayern really step it up. And in my mind, sort of the thesis statement would be they are the German club, if not the first German club, to really embrace ideas of other clubs on the continent and, and in England. And they started doing things, I think, a little bit differently a little bit earlier, and that put them in a stronger position over the long haul. And that can be TV money, that can be the way they interact with fans, it can be stadium expansion, it could be their scouting networks. All of those things, I think, play a huge part in where Bayern Munich is today. Joe, how much uh, did you learn about the kind of history of Bayern Munich and the successes they have had or the challenges they have had throughout history? Sure. So diving in there to carry on that theme about Bayern Munich thinking differently. And I think this is a big reason why some of those competitors haven't had Bayern Munich success is they've been hugely successful, successful, excuse me, commercially. So Bayern opening international offices, tapping into in a soccer sense, not in a global sense necessarily, but in a soccer sense, untapped markets when they were coming here into those markets. So I'm talking about the U.S. I'm talking about Asia for the most part. They opened offices, multiple of them in the United States. You have an office in China. They pursued sponsorship and viewed soccer as a business faster than everyone else. So they're diving into those markets and they sell, at least as of last year, more shirts than any team in the world. So they are this commercial giant. And and you don't really Maybe this is just my my thinking. I don't always think about Bayern Munich very first when I'm thinking through global brands. I tend to mm-hmm. go to to Barcelona and Real Madrid first, and then maybe even to England after that, and then to Bayern Munich and PSG in the similar vein. But the way that they have gone about doing business has created more and more opportunities for them. They are one of the highest grossing clubs in the entire world, one of the top five. So they they actually generate revenue, and they they are operating at a sustainable level without debt, unlike some of those other big brands that I, that I, that I kind of mentioned there. So you have that aspect, and, and you compare that to clubs like Schalke, clubs like Hamburg, clubs like Dortmund. I mean, it's not like those teams aren't big, and Dortmund and Schalke are, are massive brands. Dortmund in particular is big in the United States because Americans have gone and played there, but they have not leveraged their opportunities. They have not approached, at least historically, soccer like a business in the same way that Bayern has. And if you're looking at how they've gotten so dominant relative to some of their other competition, relative to that Gladbach team that won titles back in the 70s, and is not really even close to doing that at this point and finishing in, in European competition spots for them is, is a good season. It's a totally different ball game right now for Bayern Munich relative to the other teams. And I think the international commercial money is a big part of that. The TV money is certainly a big part of that. And, and when you establish that success, it very quickly turns into a cycle of success that becomes very, very difficult to break. And, and I think the Champions League has been a, a big factor in the in the changing landscape of of the Bundesliga over the past decade or so as well. So so Bayern Munich, what you're you're talking about, Joe, there. And this is the second. Maybe this is going to be a a repeated term in these big thing podcasts. But I mentioned it last week with Barcelona, a virtuous circle. That's what Barcelona want to create for themselves, and Bar, uh, Bayern Munich have have done that. Yeah. So what that means is that Bayern Munich benefit financially from being the dominant team in Germany and from continually receiving the Champions League revenue and that allows them to continue to to be dominant. Now of course this ecosystem exists in other leagues but in other leagues they don't have the the and I suspect this isn't the first time we will we'll mention or sorry the last time we'll mention this this terminus on this show they don't have the 50 plus 1 rule in other leagues which means there are other ways for clubs to make up the difference of the Champions League money so clubs like 
Newcastle United being owned by the Saudis or Everton being owned by Farhad Mashiri. In theory, I know that one hasn't gone so well, but in theory, th- those clubs prevent the creation of a virtuous circle being created in, in, in the Premier League, whereas in Germany, Germany, that is a lot more difficult and Bundesliga at the top of the food chain are just able to continually sit at the top of the food chain and devour the teams below them in the food chain. There's no real way of disrupting that. And, and can I add one thing on that? So first, I want to quickly define the 50 plus one rule just in case you, folks Joe. out there don't know. Because I'm, nice I'm, guessing, I'm guessing there are people who don't know and sometimes I have to remind myself. So I'm right there with you all. So the 50 plus one rule is a rule in, in Germany that requires the parent club to own the majority stake of the, the soccer team, right? So of this company. So they have to own 50% plus one additional share. And that basically does the job of ensuring that the members of the club hold the majority control in the company. So that's the that's the idea here. It also serves the purpose of preventing, like Graham was talking about, these foreign investors or you know investment funds from literal countries from coming in and, and purchasing the majority stake in these entities and building them up to a, a level that they really could never have dreamed of before. And there are ethical questions about that. And there, we, we've, we've discussed that before, and I'm sure we will again on this show. That's not as big of a thing in the Bundesliga. Now, there are teams that have been able to grandfather in majority owners that are not necessarily in that classic club members definition. So you're talking about Hoffenheim, you're talking about Bayer Leverkusen with Bayer as, as the company that has owned them as this other entity. You're talking about Hoffenheim, maybe I already mentioned them, don't remember, in Wolfsburg with VW. So there is there are exceptions, and, and Leipzig maybe takes a creative spin on all this as well with Red Bull. <laughs> there are exceptions, but Bayern, because they don't have to deal with as many of those companies and because it's, it's more restrictive in Germany, you talk about Champions League, Graham, but there's also this idea of just the domestic TV money is stacked in Bayern's favor because of their success yeah. both in the league and in, in in Europe. So in terms of the TV deal, and this was from, I believe, the... No, no this, is, this is up to date. This is up to date. So 25% of the international media income, of, of the media income coming in to the Bundesliga is split evenly among the 18 clubs. Then a much larger chunk is paid out on the basis of a five-year ranking of international performance, so of success, basically. How good are you? How good are you internationally? I believe there's also a domestic component there, too. So you have this idea of Bayern consistently and purposefully over time for making smart decisions and taking advantage of the different climate that they're in relative to England or Spain or or wherever. You have them racking up a larger revenue chunk than the next closest team. Back in in 2017-18, I found this according to the Swiss Ramble on Twitter. There's a great spot for a lot of this financial stuff. This was about five years ago now, but even five years ago, Bayern made $10 million more from TV money than the next closest Bundesliga club. That's only going to grow as there's more money invested in the game, although the Bundesliga TV deal is not necessarily growing, and maybe we'll talk about that later. But I think there is this, this TV component as well, and the 50-plus-1 rule, Graham, as you mentioned, certainly throws a whole wrench into the competition thing in the Bundesliga. I want to take a quick break to hear from today's sponsors. Then I want to get back to this very same conversation uh, more very soon. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Welcome back to the Total Soccer Show. We are focused on our one big thing of the week, that being Bayern Munich. And is their dominance in the Bundesliga good or bad or somewhere in between? We were talking about their financial position, Bayern Munich's financial position, and how it puts them in such a strong spot. But Graham, from a larger, broader context, let's talk a bit about the Bundesliga's finances and how those relate to uh, some of their big competitors in Europe. 
Yeah, so Deloitte's annual review of football finance was actually um, published for this year, just this week. So there's a lot of fresh information on that. And that, that reveals a lot of data about the financial Im- imbalance that the, the Bundesliga faces. Not just Joe did a very good job there of detailing the, the imbalance within the division itself, but comparing the Bundesliga as a whole to the other big European leagues, predominantly the Premier League, you can see there's an imbalance there too. So that report showed that the Premier League clubs collectively... Um, collected £5.5 million of revenue last season. So that's the 21-22 season. That figure for the Bundesliga was just €3 billion. So keep in mind the the difference in currency there. So that's roughly around half of what the Premier League clubs took in for that season. And, And this problem is getting worse because that same report showed that while Premier League revenues have collectively gone up in the last year, Bundesliga revenue collectively has gone down by 6%. And if you compare the, 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 the TV deals that the Bundesliga has struck since the, the start of the pandemic with that of the other big five leagues, and I'm taking League Un out of this because League Un had that whole problem with Media Pro and the collapse of that company. So I, I'm not entirely sure it's fair to compare with, with League Un. The, the, the data's all warped because of that. But if you look at the other big five leagues that have struck TV deals in that time frame, the Bundesliga is the only one who's the val- whose value of that overall TV deal has has fallen which is a concern. And maybe that maybe that's not just down to Bayern Munich. Maybe there's other factors. There's not really any further data in that Deloitte's annual review to suggest that Bayern Munich is at fault. But just anecdotally speaking personally, I think it has to have played, their dominance has to have had a, a detrimental, detrimental impact on the image of that league and basically what TV broadcasters are, are willing to pay. And the other thing that is slightly concerning for the Bundesliga is when they announced that deal, which runs until 2025, I think, they said that the the COVID pandemic was a factor in this. As I say, you compare it to the other big five leagues, leagues, all their TV deals have either remained the same value or have grown. And the Bundesliga, in theory, should have been in a better position because they were the first league to return. You'll all remember in June 2020, the whole football world was glued to watching the Bundesliga because there was nothing else on TV at that time. So theoretically, they should have been in a better position to get a better deal. So that is is a, a real concern for the Bundesliga. And if you just look at... The, the Deloitte money table in general, you have Bayern Munich ranked third in that table for 2021. They are behind only Barcelona and Real Madrid, so obviously good news for them. You have Dortmund in 12th, but you only you have only four German clubs in the top 30 of the Deloitte money league. So it's, it's becoming difficult for them to compete against not just Bayern Munich, but their European neighbours as well. So is it fair to say then in your mind, Graham, that this is an issue that doesn't have the ability to correct itself on his own. We won't see a, a team like have like Dortmund can't just sort of spend a little bit of money, catch Bayern and then stay at that level. Right. It's going to require more bigger changes than just keep doing what you're doing. And hopefully somebody finds a way to compete at a level playing field. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the solution has to come from the executive level of, of, of the Bundesliga. If you look at the internal finances of the Bundesliga, the revenue gap between Dortmund and Bayern has actually narrowed in recent years, but it was still 268 Massive. million euros yeah. in 2020. Um, which is, put it another way, Bayern's revenue was 73% higher than, than Dortmund, which when you're talking about the first and second teams in a league, Traditionally speaking, in terms of the size of the clubs and even in league position last season, that is just a phenomenal difference between two teams. And um, if you look at the the, the figures for gross profit, uh, Bayern Munich is at the top with 665 million euros and Dortmund's on 474 million euros, RB Leipzig on 325 million euros. So the the drop-off is pretty significant and as I say I think it has to come from executive level the domestic TV deal is roughly worth similar to other even though it has dropped by 5% it's still worth roughly the same as Serie A and roughly the same as La Liga it's in the same ballpark the Premier League is way out of sight I, I don't think they're at this point I don't think the Premier League is really a rival for the Bundesliga or really for the other big five European leagues but one of the areas that the Bundesliga can certainly make progress is in the foreign TV rights and if you just look at the US in particular the, I'm just finding my notes here. In the US, La Liga receives $175 million per season from ESPN. Um, Serie A receives $66 million per season from CBS. 
and the Bundesliga receives just $30 million per season from ESPN. So when you look at what ESPN is paying La Liga and what they're paying the Bundesliga, that is a huge, huge difference. And I think that is most disappointing because the Bundesliga seemed like one of the first European leagues, excluding the Premier League, to really make inroads into, as Joe was mentioning there, into the into the American markets. And maybe Bayern Munich as a club individually have benefited from that. But looking at the Bundesliga as a whole, it's difficult to, to see where that progress is because their, their foreign TV rights is certainly somewhere that they need to make up, not just a difference on the Premier League, but on the other European leagues as well. Broadly speaking, I think I've led us into the weeds, so let's take it broad for a moment. For you both, like, a basic question, is this imbalance a problem, or is it just sort of the way things are, and it's not necessarily that big of an issue? So yeah, Graham, do you feel like this is a problem, this imbalance? I think I think this is a subjective question largely to answer. So the, the Bundesliga still has enough quality and storylines beyond the, the non-existent title race every season to be interesting. I think it's still an interesting league and there's still so much to like about the Bundesliga. I think that's why this makes for such an interesting discussion because in pretty much every other area, the Bundesliga's got it nailed. You know, cheap tickets, fan representation for, for clubs, good atmosphere, good, uh, good style of play good football it's just this problem that Bayern Munich always win in the end but so there's no denying it would be a more entertaining compelling division if there was a title race every so often the real problem comes when the lack of competition starts to harm the, the financial v- value and prosperity of the league as a whole and as a as I just detailed there with all those numbers there are signs that this is starting to happen so if that is if that continues and that trend isn't just a, a COVID blip or that doesn't turn around, then yes, you would have to say factually in terms of the financials, it is a problem. And it's, and it's something that in Germany a few years ago, I think there's been a sea change on this um, because a few years ago you would speak to maybe German Bundesliga fans and you would say, is this a problem? And I, I felt they would get quite defensive about that. But now you're having the discussion, not just among fans, but you've got Karl-Heinz Rummenigge talking about it and Oliver Kahn. And those are those are Bayern Munich figures. So when Bayern Munich figures are talking about potentially changes to the league, which I think we will we'll come on to later, when they're discussing that potentially there's a problem, you kind of get a sense that the attitude is attitude's changing in Germany. And, and maybe, I don't think anything is imminent, but further down the line, there, there could be measures taken to ensure that this dominance isn't allowed to, to, to happen to the same extent. Which is, it's hilarious, right? The fact that Bayern are so, like, it, it, this is, I, I think, objectively funny, or at least, like, mildly funny, that Bayern have become such a dominant force in German soccer, and they've been so good because of how well run they are in so many different ways. And they've always been too good for their own good. And the fact that you now have Bayern Munich figures, as you're saying, Graham, talking about, well, yeah, maybe playoffs are an interesting idea to help generate more. Maybe we do need to change something because they recognize, sure, we can win 20 titles in a row, but that's not ultimately going to be the best thing for soccer in this region. And as a participant in soccer in that region, their own success in some ways adversely affects them as well, which is is just wild. So the question that we keep coming back to here, I, I think, Taylor, and I will answer your original question, is is either explicitly or or not quite so explicitly, is, is dominance better than competition? And I think Bayern Munich have answered this question for themselves, and the answer is, is no, right? Not that you don't want spells of that, right? There is something attractive about dynasties. Dynasties are fun. As an American sports fan, you think about the Chicago Bulls and you think about the, I say the secreted teeth, the New England Patriots. You think about all of these these teams, the Warriors in in more recent years and the NBA. There have been dynasties throughout sports and there is an entertainment factor and a storytelling factor behind all of that that makes them undeniably attractive whether you love or hate those teams. But, But you keep coming back to this question of, is that better forever Versus something that is more competitive. And I think it's pretty clear that the answer, certainly from my perspective as an American sports fan, you need to have a little bit of both. And right now, the Bundesliga, in terms of the title race, which is the single most important part of a soccer league, there's no discussion surrounding that other than jokes about, well, will Bayern win it in March or April, right? And, And that, for me, is a problem. I'm not the only one who thinks that. Clearly, you have key stakeholders in German soccer, both inside Bayern and outside of Bayern, talking about the exact same thing. You have Philip Lamm, 
maybe I, I don't not the biggest fan of his columns in the Guardian, but you, Philip Lamb, a, a former Bayern Munich star, came out and saying, yeah, it's it's not great for anybody. That's an issue, and I think at some point it's going to have to change. And, and honestly, I'd be surprised if it doesn't change at some point in the next couple of decades. Yeah. There is a, there is definitely, in my opinion, there's a, there's a happy medium here. So I look at MLS and Joe, you'll, you'll probably be able to, yeah, exactly. You'll be able to provide a better insight in this. But to, to me, MLS, the parity is a positive, but it's almost to the other extreme. So when I'm, when I sit down to watch some MLS games at the weekend and I try and pick out some matches, I struggle because I think who, who are the teams that are worth watching? You want to have you want to kind of at an instant know who the good teams are in any given season and I think I think to be honest I know the Premier League uh, gives itself enough praise so I'm reluctant to give it uh, even more praise but I think that is maybe the, the level you want to be at where yes you do get those dynasties you're talking about Joe with we've got City and Liverpool at the moment but you still have teams that over the next 10 years you feel they could win a league title and that just doesn't exist in Germany so you have two you have the two ends of the spectrum you have the Bundesliga at one end where you just have a dominant team that have won 10 titles in a row and then you have MLS where the, the parity almost feels like it's like it's too fair yeah. for its own good somewhere in, in between I think it's where the Bundesliga wants to get well, to. and part of the reason why I think a lot of American sports and I would not loop MLS into this category but a lot of American sports tend to be so compelling is because you have areas eras of dominance, and then you have built-in mechanisms to assist the teams that are are simply not good, right? You have drafts, and those, especially, yeah. I'm thinking about basketball, have this incredible impact on franchises and their next decade or the next five years, depending on how how well run they are. They can have a really positive impact, and that can flip the script. You have teams that have been irrelevant. And then all of a sudden you blink, and, and maybe it's like a three or four year blink, but you blink, and all of a sudden they're an actual playoff contender. And it's it's difficult to think about an, an equal mechanism that you could apply to soccer, especially in, in European soccer, but even in MLS, the, the super draft is not really an important factor in the grand scheme of things. You you can't ha- you you don't have that built-in method that that could exist without some gigantic large-scale shift in how soccer works, and, and and I don't see drafts ever coming into these kinds of things. So yeah, it's difficult to find the balance because uh, even as an American, the Premier League, at times I, I I lose interest in that. Speaking honestly, because I mean we all know it's going to be one of two teams winning the title this year, and and we can talk about how entertaining that back and forth is. And there is an entertaining narrative behind those two incredible teams in City and Liverpool, but it, it, it's, not, it's not as chaotic as I think it could be and as entertaining as it could be. How you get there, though, is a, is a totally different question. Yeah, and I do want to have that conversation as well. I want to stick with the kind of the inability of other Bundesliga clubs to catch up. And using the the two different leagues that you all have been talking about as models, I think the other thing, Joe, you're right. With with American sports, you tend to have those those built in mechanisms to allow bad teams to get that first draft pick to be more competitive. There's the luxury tax, so money is spread out a little bit more. Um, but you can't really do that with the Bundesliga. And I think ultimately, what I, what I see is an issue where with those leagues, with American leagues, I'm going to cite Moneyball again for the second time in as many weeks. Like The Red Sox use some of the principles that the Oakland A's sort of pioneered to then be as successful as they were and have the success as they did. You can pick apart what other people are doing and then incorporate it into your philosophy. But I think when it comes to Bayern, that's really difficult for clubs to do. And to some extent, teams that have tried to do that have ended up getting relegated or causing their own problems. Because with Bayern, you have the TV money we've already talked about. You have the just the accepted fact that they will be in the Champions League and will probably make a relatively deep run. So they will have that Champions League money. They have the commercial side of things. They have the fan side of things. They're going to sell out that stadium. They're going to use it for other events. There's going to be a ton of money coming in. And if you are Schalke, you can prioritize finishing in the Champions League places. But to stay at that level, especially if Bayern are poaching some of your players or beating you to the punch on signing younger players, you have to spend more money to stay at that level. And you don't have as, as many things coming in to fill those coffers, then eventually it's going to catch up to you. And I think so many teams in trying to compete at that financial level and replicate what Bayern Munich do end up sort of hurting themselves in the long run. And, and that's what ends up being strange to me about this dilemma. I do think it's a problem, but it's a strange one where it's not a problem where you know, billion, billion, billionaires have come in and bought a club and then made them this dominant force like we've seen in other leagues. It's a team that has 
more or less organically created this legacy of success, but now to the extent that it's almost a problem for the league, which then becomes a problem for the team, it's a strange cycle that I'm not particularly familiar with in any other situation. So maybe we could take one more break so I can get my head right trying to figure out that cycle, <laughs> and then we can come back to talk about some ways that things could be changed. Uh, back soon to do just that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back. We're going to look at ways to make the Bundesliga more competitive to balance things out a bit. Graham, here's my solution. Uh, we need a time machine, and we need to go back in time <laughs> to when, maybe uh, maybe post-war Europe, maybe it's uh, when the Berlin Wall is coming down, but I think that would be a time when clubs can start slowly seeing the future and creating the stability that Bayern Munich have had to be in the position they're in now. So that's my first solution, is time machine to tell clubs, hey, there's going to be a ton of money down the road. Put yourself <laughs> in a strong financial position to capitalize upon that. Yeah. Well, first things first, we all need a time machine. Of course. I would take one of those time machines. But yes, if we're giving one to the under, under Bundesliga, yeah. other Bundesliga clubs, I would warn them of what's coming. I would hand them the, the sports almanac that, that Biff manages. <laughs> Do you to want get his this? Hands on. Ten in a row? Is that what you want? <laughs> this is what's going to happen. And, and, and to be sincere about it for a moment, this, this is where I think the Bundesliga has been slightly unlucky with this because this is going to sound really, really stupid, but Bayern Munich have benef- benefited from being really really well run for a prolonged period of time at a time when European leagues in general have, have been growing. And that has created a, 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 a an advantage that now, even if Dortmund and, and Schalke and uh, Hamburg and Gladbach and all these traditional superpowers, if all of a sudden they are to become very well run, and that is the other thing, is Bayern Munich's well run period has coincided with a not so well run period for a number of those teams, particularly uh, Schalke and Hamburg, that even if they start, if they pulled up their socks and borrowed a lot of the methods that Bayern Munich have used, that advantage is just going to be so difficult for them to overturn. So, I think the Bundesliga. Just to reiterate my point, I think there is a bit of luck involved. I think Bayern Munich, obviously, they have done things very, very well in terms of recruitment and hiring managers, and they plan better than most clubs as well, and they have succession plans. But that has coincided with a growth period for the Bundesliga, and they have lucked out a little bit in that sense. So, Joe, it feels like we sort of all agree that this is an issue that needs addressing. Uh, But for things to change, people who have actual power probably need to agree that it's a thing that needs to change. Do you feel like there is an acceptance within German German soccer that this is a problem? I think so. I mean, we're Mm -hmm. still, I think, in the process of getting more information from people who who are in key decision-making spots. But there have been people, absolutely, who have come out and talked about this. I'm talking about Donata Hopfen, who's the the CEO of the German Football League, the DFL, uh, who said the league would, of course, be more attractive if it had more competition at the top. If playoffs help us, then we'll talk about playoffs. I mean, that's kind of an obvious statement, the first half of that, about, yeah, the league would be more attractive if if there was more competition at the top. But it shows that that people are thinking about it. Then you have Oliver Kahn, this is a quote uh, to to, uh, Kicker, there it is, earlier in 2022, who said, I find it exciting to think about new models like playoffs or the Bundesliga. And this is kind of the overarching theme. There was a, a moderate size stir about this earlier in 2022 when playoffs started popping up a few different times. Not everybody's into that. Bayern may be into that. The Bundesliga may be into that. The the, the football league may be into that. But then you look at a, a couple of other folks who said Dortmund CEO said he's not a fan. You're talking about Bayer Leverkusen's managing director who also said it's the wrong approach. 
But I, I think there is a desire to find the right approach, right? I think that is an underlying tone of all of this is, okay, maybe it's playoffs, which honestly I would be so here for. I have mixed feelings myself about playoffs in in sports being the best way to decide a title winner. It's not. Let me just say that, I guess. That, that takes care of that issue. But it is. It's fun, right? It is so fun. Playoffs are great, and they are not representative all the time of which teams are good and which teams are bad. But if we're talking about playoffs in the Bundesliga as the first top-tier league, to, at least among the major massive leagues in Europe that have international branding, to try it, man, I think that would be fascinating. And I'm guessing there would be five baby steps before then, like some sort of one-off tournament that involved playoffs to try to acclimate fans to that idea. Then you're trying to maybe institute it at a lower level in German football, and then maybe you work your way up to the Premier League a decade or 15 or 20 years from now. I think that is possible, but that's that's one solution that people inside German soccer are talking about right now. I'm intrigued by that. Graham, I, I don't know how you feel about that. There's other solutions here that have been proposed, ones that I've been thinking about as well, but Graham, as as the only European among the three of us, the only non-American among the three of us on this show, <laughs> what what would you feel about soccer adopting playoffs, or at least about the Bundesliga adopting playoffs to try to fix this Bayern Munich problem? Get out of here yeah. with your playoffs. <laughs> I, knew it. I knew it. No, I'm I'm only kidding to a certain extent. Playoffs are undoubtedly exciting. The the the, the Bundesliga has. A, I'm always in favor of just a straight a straight league table. Um, but in terms of one-off events, there's no denying that people would watch those games. And the, this is where the Bundesliga has a difficult dilemma because the Bundesliga, with the, the 50 plus one rule and the commitment that they have to fans and having fan-owned, uh, fan owned rep- fan representation at league and club level, they want to do things very traditional. But the, the problem for them is if they want to differentiate themselves from the Premier League and La Liga and those other European leagues, they're going, they're going to have to take a different approach. They're going to have to give people a reason to watch that league over the Premier League or La Liga or whatever it is. And playoffs would be a way to do that. As, as I say, I, those, I would watch those games. Everyone would watch those games. Football fans in, in England and the UK and in the US would, would all watch those games. So maybe that is, that is a way to, in fact, it certainly is. I, I am pretty confident it's a way to get people to watch that league, more people to watch that league, but it's just it's just the price of that. What does what does that does that upset fans? Does does the Bundesliga risk compromising that connection with its own support? There there are other issues to factor in there. I do think playoffs would be really interesting, not just because playoffs are interesting, but because to me, that speaks to what I think is maybe the larger issue from the DFL decision makers' minds, which is basically interest in the league. And there can be a ton of interest to start the season when you've got Bayern Munich doing Bayern things, but then other clubs that could challenge and step up and make a run and who could be the next Union Berlin. But by February, March, April, when the season kicks, kicks back into, like I guess, the, the second half of the season after the winter break, by then, we sort of have a pretty clear idea of like, okay, it will be Bayern. It's likely going to be Bayern at a stroll. Like, who else? Okay, now we're talking about like the fifth place Champions League spot. And yeah, that's the case in other leagues as well. But I think ultimately, you end up losing a lot of interest until maybe the very end if there is a relegation battle. Or maybe we do end up getting something approximating a title challenge. But with those playoffs, if you put them in there, even if Bayern Munich end up winning every single playoff, and I think there's a good chance they would... It just becomes who's going to make the playoffs. And once those start, who's going to contest it? Are you doing, I'm assuming it would be the elimination style the way the U.S. does it, not this sort of uh, tiered secondary league Please the no. way Scotland and Belgium do it. Or Please no. Scotland did do it. Uh, but I, th- I think that would at least keep more of an interest because now there's a potential that if you're in those final six, eight, whatever it may be spots, you're making it to the playoffs and then you never know what's going to happen. And I think that would keep people tuned in longer and more regularly and that ends up being greater tv money greater tv revenue and maybe that does end up helping kind of slowly bridge that divide that's definitely a slow step in i would say the right direction but again then you are fundamentally changing the way the league operates and that Mm. could be contentious but it seems like any rule change that we would make to make things more paired more equal is going to be contentious joe yeah i mean i think that's absolutely the case fans you're always going to hear the negative feedback most, right? So when you're trying to implement some sort of giant, large-scale change to how soccer works in Germany, yeah, you're, you're going to hear about it. And and honestly, there are real discussions about what the right way to go is here. This is a big problem for the Bundesliga, but it, it also has the potential 
to change how soccer works in Germany forever. If you're going and thinking about actually changing it, it's not something that should be done lightly, and it's not going to make anybody, everybody happy, regardless of what choice you're making. But I do think it is important to consider okay, how do we maybe make our league a more attractive product? How do we try to embody one of Bayern's initial principles about thinking about soccer differently than everybody else, at least in their area? How does the Bundesliga as an entity apply that same thinking to the rest of European soccer? Because it's pretty clear to me that it's not working, right? I I enjoy watching the Bundesliga. I I I like watching the league. I like the product, but they are falling behind. And Graham laid that out very clearly earlier on in this episode. And, and continuing to act as if that's not the case would be foolish. And so adding playoffs, I mean, maybe it's a, and I, I have another thought as to a, a change that doesn't involve playoffs, but maybe if we're sticking on the playoff theme, you, you do apply more of an MLS model of, hey, there's two trophies that we award at the end of the year. And one of them is, is whatever Germany wants to call the supporter shield for finishing on top of the table. And the other is for winning the playoffs. I mean, maybe there's a way to sort of appeal to both sides of that. I, I don't know if that actually scratches that itch, but there are different ways to think about this whole thing when you're trying to decide, do we want to have a tournament-style uh, competition at the end of our season or not? The, the easiest change that the Bundesliga could make would be the redistribution of, of TV money. That, that's maybe the, 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 the first step. I'm not saying that would be easy, necessarily but that that feels maybe the most achievable one where you where you could give more of that that uh, television revenue to the the bottom teams near at the bottom of the Bundesliga if you want to make the biggest change and let me qualify this I'm not saying I'm necessarily in favor of this but the quickest fix to make the Bundesliga more competitive if you ask me is to get rid of the 50 plus one rule and then you have all you have loads of things to consider if you do that. So the theory there would be you would attract more investment in, in clubs, which which would in turn allow them to be um, more competitive with Bayern Munich. And you look at the Premier League and big clubs in Spain and Italy and Americans owning Roma and Italian clubs and obviously American ownership in Premier League clubs and, and Russian oligarchs and Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds. They would turn their attention to the Bundesliga and it, the floodgates would open because it hasn't been an, an opportunity for revenue for investment until that point. So that's that's the, the biggest change that you could make that would have the biggest immediate impact, in my opinion. But the flip side of that is you get rid of all that makes the Bundesliga special, in my opinion. The the fan representation and, and the way that clubs are connected to their fan base. So yes this would make it more competitive but if this if this is the barrier if 50 plus one is the barrier stopping private investment funds as as i say oligarchs and sovereign wealth funds from buying german clubs maybe maybe keep this barrier it's not worth getting rid of it just so another team can win the title every so often in my opinion yeah i think i think i would agree with you graham and i think probably what it comes down to is what do germans want because if you get rid of the 50 plus one rule I see the way like newspapers changed once you have people from non-newspaper backgrounds coming in and making decisions, and the, the margins are expected to be higher, and people get paid less, and there's more emphasis on sponsored content, and it fundamentally changes the way the thing operates. Pivot the video. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that works so well. Thanks for that, Facebook. Uh, I, I think if you had outside owners come in and start making decisions, you're going to get higher ticket prices. You're going to get changes in the way clubs operate and the way clubs look and the identity of those teams. And I think that's such a baked in part of the Bundesliga that each club truly has a connection to its fan base that we can all advocate for, yeah, get rid of this and do this and change it that way. It definitely comes down to what the people of Germany, what the fans of these clubs want. And maybe they are okay with that dominance of Bayern. They certainly have proven themselves not okay with clubs deliberately skirting rules in the form of RB Leipzig. Um, Let's not spend time talking about why they're called RB, because that sort of is uh, a case in point there. Let's instead talk about teams that could potentially, if things don't change, challenge Bayern Munich down the road. It does seem like Leipzig, to me, are the club best positioned to theoretically be able to do that, even if they are, Joe, the ones that were recently pillaged for their best players and their manager. Yeah, I mean, the the clubs that have the most, that have the best odds of challenging Bayern Munich aren't in Germany. That's for darn sure. <laughs> they're in, in Spain or they're in England or they're in France or Italy. Uh, if we're looking in terms of the Bundesliga, Leipzig is the one that comes to mind first. You think about how quickly they rose through the German football pyramid. And again, lots of, lots of different discussions about that. And, and who knows, maybe we'll talk about Leipzig on a big thing episode at some point down the road. But with the resources they have, 
the scouting department that they have, the analytics department that they have, the global connections. That that's a huge thing, right? I think about the 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 biggest global soccer groups in the world. And you're talking about Red Bull and you're talking about City Football Group. And there are more. And I'm, I'm banking on the fact that we're going to see more over the next decade. But, I mean, Red Bull have resources. Leipzig have resources that that in some ways not even Bayern has. So that is a factor here. When you look at the rest of the Bundesliga, there's no other club with that sort of network. Now, whether or not Red Bull uses their their uh, their, their little brothers or their cousins, however you want to go about thinking about it, all efficiently, cough, cough, the New York Red Bulls, and cough, cough, they're not always the best well-run club with the most investment, is, is, is maybe a different conversation. But Leipzig have different resources and more of them in certain ways than Meyer Munich do. Other than Leipzig, I mean, Dortmund is the, the biggest name. I, w- I would still say Dortmund is the second biggest name in the Bundesliga. But, I mean, they are, are pretty much out of their golden age at this point. I think that's relatively clear to see. They're in just that second tier of teams or Bayern's the, the top tier on top of the Empire State Building, and you're going down halfway down the, the floors, and you've got Dortmund and, and Leipzig maybe a couple floors above Dortmund, and then Leverkusen. They're all just kind of hanging out together, and I have a really hard time seeing, certainly in the next next few years, any of those teams challenging Bayern for any sort of silverware. What, what you're saying, Joe, is we need a Bundesliga Avengers of all the <laughs> teams that can't compete with yes. Bayern Munich. We need them to join forces somehow create a team of 11 players of their best players to take on Bayern Munich. And let's face it, they probably still yeah. lose, but at least it might be more, slightly more entertaining. I like it. I like it. I think we just need some consistency for some of those like second tier clubs like a Dortmund. I think the last time they had a manager in charge for more, for two seasons or more, was Jurgen Klopp, who left the club in 2015. You have Thomas Tuchel, who's there for, I think, two seasons uh, that doesn't end up going so well in the long run, but it's been a ton of managers going in and, and then exiting, and I think that lack of stability has hurt Dortmund at a time when they are, I think, also perceived as this club that's great at identifying young players and then selling them on, but that's not quite what it's going to take to get to that level of Bayern Munich. So I think Dortmund will continue that model, and maybe if they can get like a sustained period of stability and success, they could end up kind of jumping back into the, the conversation. But for now, the way Leipzig have gone up the respective tables and made it into the Bundesliga, but then gotten into the Champions League ahead of their, their schedule and continue to, I think, build the foundation, build the base to eventually be able to push Bayern Munich on, I think that is their model. I think it's not challenging right now. If they can, great. But I think if they can now, it's more of an outlier. It's a downturn in Bayern Munich's form, and maybe they caught fire with a couple players. But I do think their long-term target is having that stability, having that depth of squad, having the resources, financial and otherwise, to then be able to provide sustained opposition to Bayern Munich. But it's really telling to me that we're talking about a club that, to do that, bypassed rules or sort of exploited loopholes and are very unpopular for it and basically are skirting 50 plus one. And that, I guess, begs the question, is that what's required? Do we have to see some sort of change or teams willing to bend the rules, if not break them, to find those competitive advantages, Graham? You you said something there, Taylor, that I I thought was quite key. You said a downturn in form Mm -hmm. from Bayern Munich. I think in the current model change probably relies on not just Dortmund and Leipzig or whoever it is getting everything perfect in terms of recruitment and coaching and consistency and everything like that. It probably relies on Bayern Munich making some mistakes as well. And the positive for Bayern's rivals is that this is a club that's gone through a pretty substantial renewal process in the last year. They've got a new manager, they've got a new CEO in Oliver Kahn, they've got a new sporting director. All those appointments have been made in the last year or so and there's also been renewal on the pitch, you know, David Alaba has has left, Jerome Boateng, Thomas Muller's not getting any younger, Lewandowski's left this, this summer. So the last 12 months has really felt like if it's going to happen in the current model, it needs to happen now or the, oppor- or the opportunity disappears for a number of years again. The bad news for those rivals is that all those newbies that I mentioned, Nagelsmann and and, and Khan, and the, the players that Bayern Munich have, have signed and the youngsters like Musiala and Sadio Mane's come in this summer... They all look pretty competent at their jobs. So it doesn't feel like the cycle is going to be broken anytime soon. But as I say, it feels like in this current model, Bayern Munich need to 
they've just been so well run for so long. They need to have a dip in that at some point for them to for them to be caught. And I, I just don't see that happening anytime soon, to be honest. And not just a, a one season dip either. That that's why this is so difficult for other teams in the Bundesliga. And it shows how entrenched Bayern is at the top. It's not just a okay, we, we didn't succeed this season, we broke our title winning streak in the Bundesliga and now we have to play catch up. No, I mean that's that's a blip. Sure, it would be a disaster for Bayern Munich after the reputation they've built. But the TV money to circle back, a lot of that is based on a five-year ranking, right? It's not just, okay, one year now that the standings are completely reversed and also the TV money is being distributed in a completely different way by the current model. It's one year, okay, that had a, a tiny effect that was like shooting a, a pea shooter at some sort of fortified castle, right? I mean, it's not gonna it's not going to have that much of an impact. But over time, if you can consistently reverse the current trend, that's a different story. It's just hard for me to actually see that story being written anytime soon. We already mentioned the Avengers once. Maybe somebody needs to employ Doctor Strange and he can just go through and see all the permutations to figure out how you overtake Bayern Munich. Maybe that <laughs> is the easiest and most, most straightforward path. Except if we wanted to consider maybe, Graham, something that sounds a little bit like Super League. <laughs> oh, do we even want to have this discussion? Not really. <laughs> um, would, would the Super League fix this problem for the for the Bundesliga? Yeah. It, it depends what you mean by what what's meant by fix. So, so my view on the Super League is that it went against the the very spirit of soccer as a sport by essentially inviting the biggest clubs to be part of a of a closed system. So, I I am never ever going to be in favor of it. But would it make the Bundesliga more competitive? Um, if we're taking it to the extreme of this wasn't actually the format that was was proposed, but if we're taking to, it to the extreme of the of Bayern Munich leaving the Bundesliga to join the Super League, then yes, in the immediate term, obviously that would make it more competitive. But would it kill would it kill the Bundesliga in the long term? Also, probably yes. So I'm not sure that is really worth the trade off. Yeah, uh, the Bundesliga needs Bayern Munich. I, I think that's that's something that has become more and more clear to me throughout all of this. Bayern is their biggest revenue maker. They are the biggest brand. You take that away and you solve one problem of, oh, hey, look now, there's five, six, seven, eight teams that could reasonably compete for a title and even maybe a few more teams than that that could compete for the top four, top five European spots at the very least. But uh, your league just became a lot less interesting because you lose the dominant force. And so, again, it's not... For me, it's not about getting rid of Bayern Munich and all of this. It's not about distancing them from the rest of the German soccer. It's about finding a way to elevate the rest of German soccer to something closer to Bayern Munich's level to allow for at least potential parity, maybe not MLS parity, but actual fun parity where there's still good teams, there's still bad teams, but, but we're closer to the middle point than we are right now. We we've spoken about this for roughly an hour now, and I've come back round to the idea of uh, to the idea of Michael Cox's solution actually maybe being the best solution. So Make let's it two nil. That and Make it two nil, and I'm in. Yeah. Okay. okay. If we can't do if we can't do drafts, and if we can't do some of the things American sports do, we go the opposite way. If you win the title one year, next year you have to start every game one nil down. Like I like the idea. Yeah. Like you punish the team for winning it while giving them more money at the same time. You add more restrictions but give them more money. Uh, yeah. I think that that maybe brings Bayern back down. But ultimately, that is a thing that I I, I want to see happen. Uh, Bayern Munich fans obviously do not. Uh, but I think. When we talk about the league, I've talked about this on the show before. When people ask me what my favorite league is, I will talk about how great the Bundesliga is, but you have to add the caveat that, yeah, but Bayern Munich are going to win it, and that's kind of the way it goes. They won 10 straight. They'll probably win another one. So as long as you don't mind that, and a lot of people do mind that, a lot of people want to be able to see that there is a title race. So there are different teams that could like push and pull and shift those positions, and you can have it go down to the wire at the very least. And And that's where I think... Just that little extra bit of competitiveness. If it is just one team, that's what we have in the Premier League right now. And I think that is enough to give us sustained interest in a title challenge and then the rest of the top four and then mid-table and then relegation spots. And I think that's a thing that the Bundesliga lacks. So I think ultimately we can all agree that it is a bit of an issue, not a full-fledged crisis problem, but an issue that we hope to see addressed or to see rectified, albeit with some more solutions practical than others. I like the idea of them starting 1-0 down. I also like the idea of bringing in fictional, ca fictional characters to make things balance out. <laughs> uh, Graham Ruthven, anything else to add on this topic? 
So I'm just going to end on an encouraging note for anti-Bayern Munich fans, and that is that sometimes dynasties can end without you expecting it. And when they do end, they can end very quickly. So I'm going to point to Serie A, who until recently, people used to talk about Serie A in the same way that they talk about the Bundesliga with Juventus playing the Bayern Munich character. I think they won nine Serie A titles in a row, eight or nine Serie A titles in a row. Now, the caveat here is they never had the financial advantage that Bayern Munich have over the rest of their league. But nonetheless, when things collapsed for... Juventus, it happened pretty quickly and you're now at the point where Juventus, it feels like they're the ones trailing. So I I don't think that's going to happen, but all I'm saying is sometimes the unexpected can happen and things can collapse and and anti-Bayern Munich fans should look to Juventus for some encouragement with that. Here we are. Joe Lowry, any other final points for you? Bayern Munich are going to be on top forever. That's all I got. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You're probably right. (laughs) Well, that's an optimistic note to end on. uh, And Graham uh, sort of like half energy saying. What's what's happened? I'm the optimist in this group today. (laughs) I like it. I I like a world in which Graham Ruthven has has hope and has belief. Uh, So, Graham, on that note, thank you very much for bringing that hope and belief to this episode. (laughs) Thank you, Taylor Rockwell. Joe Lowry, uh, the same to you, but the opposite. Yeah, no problem, Taylor. <laughs> and listeners, thank you all so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. One more show this week in the feed will be myself and David Amoyal talking about Serie A, all the different clubs, all the different players, the moves, the tactics, all that good stuff. Look for that tomorrow. But for now, we will talk to you soon.